Helping CEOs and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them. Be inspired by world leaders and next level gurus. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. And now your hosts, Craig Johns and Ben Gathercole. On this episode of the Active CEO Podcast, we are excited to bring you someone who knows what it takes to be a leading global CEO, is a game changer in the search executive industry, and is regarded for her commitment to client service, professional quality, and integrity. She became the search executive industry's first female CEO in 2011, when she was announced as the president and CEO of Boyden World Corporation. Running, staying fit, eating well and riding her Harley Davidson allow her to perform at a high level when leading a global top 10 CEO executive firm, recruiting CEOs and C-level executives to some of the world's leading companies. She regards diversity tied to real performance benchmarks being a game changer for companies. We would like to welcome Trina Gordon to the Active CEO podcast. Trina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Craig. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's great to have you on the show. I know you lead a very busy life and are traveling quite often. So leading one of the world's top CEO and a C-level executive search firm, what do you think are the most important characteristics a leader needs in a global organization? Uh, It's a good starting question, Craig, and I think uh, there there are probably many. Um, The ones I think that come to mind for me the most um, is one's ability to uh, listen, uh, to learn, and and that extends from not just uh, our day-to-day business activities, but also um, we represent you know 45 countries and 75 offices. So there are a lot of different um, social customs and practices and mores that I think all factor into working well with people, whether they are our current or future clients, or whether they are uh, executives that we we know or will come to know, and so I I love the true diversity of what we do and our footprint around the world. So I think that is uh, an important. Sorry about that. That was a phone that should have been turned off. No worries. So I, that is one. I think that's one important element, and I think. Um, the ability to work with uh, and uh, in, um, in and through others is an important factor as well. We are a, a global partnership. So um, by that descriptive, um, you need to be able to, I think, um, demonstrate a lot of different leadership skills and capabilities around um, leading by example and um, being able to be both uh, evangelist and cheerleader and um, uh, the ability to communicate well, to be able to um, sometimes face challenges in a very transparent way. So it, there's, there's, I think, a, a complexity to working with individuals in a private partnership, which is what Boyden is, um, that uh, means that um, you, you really have to sort of work and lead by example. For sure. So working and leading by example with a global team, obviously you can't be face to face all the time. So how do you get around that barrier? 
Well, the good news is, you know, for um, myself and the Boyden World Corporation team, um, we are sort of, as we like to put it, passionate uh, every day in what we do. And I think um, we have a set of clients that are both internal and external. Um, our external clients are clearly those with whom we uh, are working in a leadership and talent uh, advisory capacity. Our internal clients are our partners. So for all of us at Boyden World Corporation, what's important to us is, you know, we um, we are connecting with our partners and providing services, resolving problems, talking through issues and opportunities on a daily basis. So whether that is a global meeting, whether that is in-person visits to offices, whether that's by Skype, um, email is an important communication, but for us, it's it's the ability to connect personally with our partners and our clients. So um, that's the way things for us, I think, get done on a day-to-day -day basis. So a lot of trust involved, obviously, because you, you're not in that face-to-face -face environment. Uh, so it sounds like you're able to work through that really, really well with your partners who are covering different areas of the world. I think we do. I mean, it's it's trust you earn. Um, and I think um, that, if you will, credibility comes around uh, the um, the ability to deliver and help um, uh, provide solutions for our uh, our clients. It's the ability to um, make sure that uh, you stand behind what you say you'll do and get it done. Uh, it's also um, sort of, as I said, I, I used the phrase earlier, leading by example, but it's it's not about uh, the BWC team, it's about the firm's success. So for us, um, it's showcasing, highlighting that success, um, really getting to the bottom of how we deliver well, um, what is not only relevant to clients today, but is the next most relevant uh, or trending uh, need that clients will have and being able to innovate um, on a day in day out basis to um, to uh, to make sure that clients feel that relationship for us. Um, we like to think of Boyden as sort of a global boutique and the importance of creating a a, a unique Boyden experience or I like to use the word intimate Boyden experience for clients is really key. So it's a real client centric focus, isn't it? Yes, as a matter of fact, that's a phraseology that we used in um, an earlier uh, iteration of some strategy that we did around the world, moving us uh, to think really um, exclusively and consistently about uh, clients and candidates. And so how else would you describe the Boyden business model and what allows it to allows you to stand out from the crowd? Well, you know, we've, we've embarked on the next iteration of strategy, Craig, and it, and it really is all about um, what is at the core strength of our firm, and that is the ability uh, to be um, a, 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 a true advisor uh, on a global footprint for clients so that um, we are able to rather seamlessly sort of transfer client knowledge across our partnership, across our offices and our practice groups, um, to us, I think, too, it's the ability to be able to take that global consistency framework and use it as sort of the, the um, umbrella of our organization and then um, bring in the dynamic of what's important to clients that will have regional or local or sector adaptability. Um, how you do business in Thailand is going to be different from how you might do business in Peru. 
So we want to be able to provide not only a, a seamless approach so that there is a very little work on the client side of the equation, that the, that responsibility is our own, but also to be able to bring through some of our strengths in what we know and can help advise them of local market practices. So that's really important for all your partners and staff to really understand the different cultures they're working with. Is there like a lot of set professional development around that or is it kind of left to each partner to try and understand how to work in those different cultural environments themselves? So thank you for asking that question. A couple of years ago, we felt that one of the things that could be um, unique for Boyden was to uh, develop um, what we call today a learning and development uh, team at Boyden. Um, that's headed by a, uh, an individual by the name of Chris Swee, uh, um, and he works alongside Gray Hollett, our, our chief marketing officer, and Breck Armstrong, our chief information officer, to really sort of continually provide E and live learnings. Um, we've done a number of different programs, all really to help our partners make sure that their conversations with potential clients in the senior leadership suite or existing clients um, are relevant and we can um, importantly learn, draw out uh, uh, and solicit client needs through those good listening skills from well-timed and knowledgeable questions. So we believe very strongly that professional development, which does include um, cultural knowledge, business practices, both locally, uh, regionally, globally, is a, a very important way that we stay relevant with our clients. Yeah, sure. That sounds sounds really interesting and, and obviously very there's a lot of foresight in that and trying to really understand the people you're dealing with. So well done. When you started out in the executive search industry, what was the greatest challenge for you? <laughs> Honestly, Craig, I think I would, would have to say that um, it was probably being um, the lone woman in the room in, in those early <laughs> days. Um, so from that standpoint, I learned very quickly that if I were going to be credible um, in a client dialogue, I needed to be incredibly well prepared um, to listen and, and ask appropriate questions at the right times. That's, and I found out that that was a very much a learning exercise because you have to um, resist the urge to spit out all of the knowledge that you've um, you've you've tried to, to cram into your mind uh, prior to a client meeting, and really be able to um, earn the client's trust over time by demonstrating an understanding of their business. Um, I I migrated from financial services into the consumer sector. Um, in the firms I've been with, most, notal, most notably here at Boyden, and it, you know, it takes all kinds of different approaches. Um, it's not just reading documents; it's, you know, being able to tour a factory or seeing a client's products or services being used in the marketplace or sold in multi-retail channels. So um, th that I think is is sort of a, a sort of a very deep impression that was left on me. Um, that preparedness was key. Wow. Oh. And and so how has, I mean, I believe that the industry has changed a lot more now and there's a lot more females involved. What differences do you see now that benefit the industry than when you first started? Yeah. 
So as you as you mentioned in in your opening introduction, diversity is very important to us. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm here in the organization in in the capacity that I um, uh, greatly enjoy and am honored to uh, undertake. And we have had the opportunity over time to bring women into a myriad of leadership roles. There's three women on our board of directors. Uh, women run major offices in our firm. They are 50% of our practice group membership and leadership. And so for us, um, you know, it's, it's, I think Indra Nui in her Pepsi days said it very best. Um, diversity is good for business. Uh, it is what I think is good for a business's bottom line. It's certainly good for our business. And it represents, I think, a commitment to understanding the very, very many different faces and, um, if you will, buying habits of consumers and end users. So um, if you're going to be uh, relevant in the world, diversity is key. Definitely. And we're seeing the world change quite a lot, especially uh, in the last couple of years in that area. So what, you know, for an for an organization or a company looking to hire a new CEO, what are some of the characteristics or traits that females tend to have that give them a, an advantage over a male taking a role? So I think women are very good listeners, first and foremost. Um, there's uh, a strong orientation to uh, team first. Uh, there, uh, There is sort of built into female DNA, a, a, um, a level of inclusiveness uh, in terms of seeking diverse opinions, uh, getting uh, strategy or challenges or opportunities on the table, uh, listening to the voices around the table um, before necessarily voicing your own or having any fixed opinion uh, before that strategic dialogue takes place. So I think there is an empathy for um, opportunities and challenges, but also for people. So from a communication and inclusion and inclusion, and you know, I think you know, particularly uh, you know, we'll get to this. I know towards the end of our our discussion together, but um, you know, there there's women who are every bit as competitive as men, if not more so, and I think. Um, Winning um, is not, you know, winning has many different connotations. It's client success. It's being able to see uh, uh, emerging leaders in your organizations become visible. It's uh, mentoring and developing those on our global partnership team. Um, it's certainly about growth and performance as well. So, you know, I think to me, those are most of the major traits that I see consistently in women leaders. Quite a lot. That winning was an interesting uh, characteristic you brought up there, um, and we do see that. I think you know that customer service is so important in this day and age, and you really see that come through or shine through from females who are leading. You um, you know, the success is, as I said, is defined in many different ways. But uh, you know, if you're going to maintain a leadership role. You need to be able to be nimble, but you know the goal is uh, to be able to um, win a new client engagement, to retain, lengthen, strengthen uh, that client relationship. So there is an element of, of uh, there's a great element of fears, competition in our business, but then it really needs to be about your day-to-day -day listening skills and understanding that um, our business is far from transactional. 
it is is absolutely consultative and uh, it is one that needs to be nurtured and um, if you will fed with uh, new ideas and uh, the ability to be able to uh, help your client think through or even anticipate um, some of the challenges they face in their markets as they grow. Mm. So talking about nurturing, if you've got a CEO that's looking to go from leading a national company to a global multi-site business, what is, what's some advice that you would give to them? So if you haven't done it before, I, I think, um, you know, what I have learned is that, um, again, I'll use the phrase listening and learning. Um, you have to be able to understand what goes on in another part of the world um, from both a business, societal, economic, and cultural perspective. There's no substitute for devoting a good bit of time to getting out on the road and sitting down with your teams, um, whether they are producing a product or a service, and being able to understand what the opportunity and pain points are uh, in, 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 in where you do or plan to do business. Um, you're, you're not going to be a global expert in every market, but I think one of the things I have learned is that, you know, I spend a lot of time traveling and, and spending time with our partners in their offices, visiting with their clients, um, understanding what the nuances are and what the realities are in their markets. And without that kind of baseline, I think it's it's it, it, you won't be able to run a global business for very long. Sure. And, you know, like now we've seen obviously social media grow exponentially over the last decade. How important do you think it is now for CEOs to uh, share their their personal brand on a larger scale through social media? Or do you think it's not really that important? No, actually, um, uh, it would be great if Gray had a few comments here because to, to us, social media has become um, a very important platform and Gray manages that and supports that actively um, with our partners and developing principles and associates around the world. And on behalf of our clients, it's, it's a very important form of communication, of transparency, of brand authenticity, of uh, being able to uh, reach out to um, all sort of end users contact points, whether it's through uh, our new website or through various social media applications. Um, you know, I, I tend to be, um, uh, thanks to Gray, a little bit active. Um, I'm also a little bit careful because I think social media can, you know, you have to be able to be thoughtful about the messages that you share. Um, and, and that's important, particularly in, in a, um, whether it's a business or a personal setting. Okay. A good approach to it. We're starting to see more CEOs take on board roles at other firms or organizations. Why do you think this is important for the development of a CEO? I think it's very important. And, um, we encourage, uh, through our CEO and board practice and uh, with our partners who do board work around the world. Um, that that is a tremendous um, broadening um, uh, skill set for a CEO. As you may know, Craig, there are now a number of organizations, both public and private, that are um, making sure that their CEOs are not spending too much time on other external boards because uh, to do it right um, these days require, requires a great deal of time, attention, and energy. 
Um, yes. The number of hours that board members spend has increased tenfold over the last several years. And there are, you know, great opportunities and and uh, and challenges associated with being part of a board. And there are also some liabilities you need to be, be um, aware of as well. So I understand um, why um, nominated governance committees of board want their CEOs to focus on their either national, regional, local, global business. But I think it's a tremendous opportunity to um, think strategically, to work in a uh, at a very high level with other CEOs and other business leaders from around the world, because increasingly boards are as diverse as they should be. So, um, you know, whether it's audit and finance, whether it's uh, human resources, whether it's nominating and governance, public policy, being able to be on those committees are uh, are tremendous learning opportunities. And you're, you're talking there about a lot more time being involved and being in boards nowadays is do you think that they take on a bit too much of I, I suppose by taking on more work is that useful for the organization or does it distract a little bit from the ceo and the management team of an organization company or organization well i think if you are a, you know a multi-billion dollar global um, uh, entity um, it probably becomes a bit easier because you have the depth and breadth of team and associates um, that allow you to do that. Um, but at, even at that level uh, and that scale, I think you are increasingly seeing that um, you know, non-exec board chairs are making sure and non-gov committees are, are ensuring that their CEO, um, whether it's you know, uh, 100 million Australian or 20 billion Australian, are, um, are, are really making sure that the primary focus of that CEO is on their business. Yes. So can you, uh, are you able to explain how the process would go for your company on, you know, you're recruiting a CEO for a new, uh, for another company? How does that work? What's the process from start to finish? So at a high level, um, if we have been asked typically by the nominating and governance committee of a board of directors to engage with them to identify a new CEO. Um, there's sort of a multi-layer approach and there it, it's not one size fits all, honestly, Craig. Each organization has you know, different needs. There are things that you need to anticipate that may be internal or external pressures on a board, particularly if they're public or private. Um, who are the real decision makers, uh, not only on the board, but institutional investors or other stakeholders. So you need to be able to develop a very strategic understanding of what um, the environment is in which the, the board is seeking a CEO um, and, and then be able to assess with the board or the board's um, uh, executive committee um, you know, what are going to be not only the decision makers, but the drivers. We typically go through a very exhaustive assessment process of the environment, the skill sets, um, the varying um, interests of the board in the profile of a CEO, um, what their leadership, what their interpersonal, what their sector and functional skill set should be. Um, it's become much more um, diverse a skill set 
um, and uh, you know, it's no longer a CEO coming from a consumer durables company. They may well be coming from healthcare. They may need uh, a global supply chain background, or they may need to understand uh, the importance of um, uh, product sourcing. Um, so there are a number of different factors that go into it. Um, where I think Boyden excels is that we have tremendous access to the C-suite. So um, once we develop um, that uh, assessment skill set and build a profile, um, we look at unique access. There's there's never a data sort of a database driven approach to a CEO engagement. It's really being able to be as innovative as possible with the combination of skill sets and um, leadership and uh, executive experiences they've had, whether it's turnaround, whether it's um, public-private, whether it's um, the ability to understand various markets. So it's uh, a sort of a constant uh, dialogue uh, throughout the course of the engagement to both um, challenge the board um, with the skill sets and profiles of particular individuals. We do so with the greatest of uh, care and confidentiality um, and being able to arrive at a select number of individuals and then manage that interaction process with a great deal of preparation, uh, transparency, communication, and um, moving that board uh, and uh, the committees uh, and the individuals uh, through, I think, a, a if you will, a, a timeline of events um, and then being able at the closing stages of the engagement to undertake some very thorough, um, very consistent due diligence to ensure that all the skills and capabilities that that individual or individual demonstrates are validated. And um, once a decision is taken, there is a complex set of compensation and benefit parameters that we, we work through the board with. And then the ever important um, uh, continued dialogue. Uh, you know, at the CEO level, I won't call it onboarding, but it's making sure that that CEO and uh, his or her board are um, transitioning together very effectively over an agreed period of time. And certainly for us, um, that relationship is, is one that we want to um, make sure that we cultivate and, and, and support for, um, a, you know, for a life cycle, if you will. So it's quite a long process, but very personal, very thorough. Uh, I really like that approach that you've taken there. Yeah, it's, it's building credibility, Craig. It's building trust. It's and it's demonstrating your commitment to both the organization and the leader of the future leader of that organization. Um, yes. They have to be able to trust your recommendations. You have to be able to be fearless in making recommendations that may not be the safest ones. Um, and then making sure that you are dedicated to that organization and that leader's success. Are we starting to see more organization, uh, so companies or organizations taking more risks in or playing more of the safe card on, you know, taking proven CEOs or are we starting to see now more where they're quite keen to go, all right, there's a newer CEO um, or there's someone who has quite different skill sets, but we think it may have a, have a big impact on this company? 
I, you know, I, I think it's a bit of a dichotomy. I think there are, or there are companies, corporations, and entities that um, will really have a tendency to look at a proven CEO, um, and there are because they they want to be able to see that demonstra demonstrable track record. Um, hopefully, there will continue to be corporations and businesses that will maintain a robust internal talent pipeline so that that um, uh, up and coming and, and very well regarded uh, C-suite executive that has worked closely with the uh, former CEO or retiring CEO has that opportunity to step forward because quite honestly, um, their body of knowledge about the business, the culture, the customer is invaluable. So yes. for us, it's, it's important to see a healthy dynamic of uh, external uh, CEOs being selected and internal CEOs being developed and given that opportunity. Hmm. So when you're in an interview process, what nonverbal cues are you looking for in someone you're interviewing? I think um, authenticity, uh, integrity, the ability to articulate um their strengths and and some of the things that they've had to learn along the course of their career um those who are i think very team focused and understand the importance of diversity in every sense of the word um, those individuals who have a certain humility uh around um, what they know and what they don't and how they resource knowledge and experience um, to me, those are sort of many, not all, but some of the key drivers that we look for. Okay. What's your favorite interview question and why? <laughs> I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't know if I have one. Um, and I say that only because um, I have found over the years that, that I've had the privilege of talking with uh, senior leaders that each circumstance is so different that it mm -hmm. may be something that I pull from, you know, their early beginnings. That is a, a thread throughout the course of their career that has uh, honed um, their personal dynamic. It can be, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I trend, I, I, at least as an individual, tend to shy away from sort of stock or even shock questions. Um, to me, it's always a dialogue. It's never. Um, a uh, trapdoor or sort of inquisition kind of conversation. So yes. I, I, to me, some of those questions rather occur spontaneously. Um, so it, it's, I'd love to be able to give you, you know, something that's uh, tried and true, but I find it varies greatly with the individuals I have the privilege to meet. Yeah, what's, what's the most important lesson you've learned so far in your career? You know, I think it's it's persistence. Um, you know, in the face of um, a challenge, uh, you may or may not um, be able to break through that challenge, and it's being able to um, regroup your sense of resolve, look at it differently, think with your team about it differently, um, and 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 be able to hopefully uh, come at the the challenge a different way. Um, I said it a bit earlier. I, I think it's really important that um, you you're, you need to be well grounded to have that sense of resiliency. Um, 
and it's you know it's being able to admit that um, I I'll go where I I'll, I'll resource where I need to resource to learn what I need to learn. Okay, very good. And you're talking about persistence and challenges come up a couple of times in the conversation so far. Uh, and I'm well aware that you are known for maintaining a really good work-life balance. So what do you do to live an active CEO lifestyle? So um, I don't think the, the, the motorcycle is quite the, the calorie burner, but um, I'm a pretty dedicated runner and fitness buff. And I've been I've actually you know been in that mode since university days and even before. So um, it's given me a great sense of, of the ability to sort of put things into perspective to, as you, as you said, sort of strike that balance to uh, be able to get out on uh, uh, with a pair of running shoes anywhere in the world and um, think through um, think through opportunities, think about very little sometimes, think about challenges. Um, I'm, so overall fitness is important to me. It, it, it I think, keeps me um, well disciplined and well focused gives and I think it sort of you know builds up some nice extra reserves of energy that um, I, I love to have so um, I'm pretty careful about um, you know uh, diet and exercise and it's it's just really been a way of life for me for a number for many years actually and so do you have to set goals or is it more just about you've got that habit and routine that you just like to exercise, whether it be daily or on a regular basis, no matter where you are in the world? Yeah, the good news about running or a, uh, a fitness center or a gym somewhere is that, you know, I always make sure that if possible, you know, I'm staying someplace where I can get access to something. Um, and being able to lace on a pair of running shoes and, and see a city or see a location is, is always kind of exciting. I'm a goal setter anyway. So that's been important, and I really like diversity of activity. I've taken up some, you know, some hiking of late, and that's been really fun. So um, it's it's sort of challenging. If I, I can get bored doing the same thing, so it's 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 changing up the routine. Um, but I I make sure that I'm doing something almost daily. And you know, you talked a little bit there about your Harley Davidson. Obviously, that provides you an outlet from life. So what what is that? Does it give you some sort of freedom and clarity away from what you do in a work situation? Well, it's a funny story. I um, I started off with a scooter and um, I decided that um, I could do a bit better, particularly when you've got a big lorry or a truck passing you on the highway. So um, what I did was, you know, I decided to set that goal and, and I started with a, a smaller bike, um, took some uh, classroom um, and field uh, lessons to get a, a license. And it's really giving me a, a, great, a much greater awareness of the world around me, being able to anticipate, um, you know, whether it's a, the, the turn of a car wheel or whether it's a turn of unexpected events. Um, but there is a really great sense of being able to sort of command your destiny on a highway or a back road. And there is a bit of a sense of freedom to that. And it's always fun when you pull up to a light and somebody does a double take when this person's sitting on a black and white Harley Davidson. <laughs> and do you, are you someone that likes to go out alone or do you like to have a little group, a little pack that goes out on your rides? You know, I'm, I, I don't, I, I have ridden with, 
probably to no more than two or three people. Um, I'm not a cross country person. I'm, I'm still a person of some creature comfort. So, um, but I do like going out alone uh, as well. So there's just uh, something very personal about being out there, challenging yourself and having the, um, the wind and a beautiful landscape in front of you. So you've got to bring your energy every single day. You obviously got to be able to convince companies that you're the right executive search firm to lead their next recruitment. So is there anything that any rituals or habits that you do every single day that help you bring your A game to work and to ensure in every single meeting you have each day? Great question. Um, you know, I, I each, you know, wherever I am in the world and, I, and I, I've, I, I'm, I'm certain this is true for all our partners. Um, there's a moment at the start of every day where I think it's important to sort of center yourself. Um, and make sure that you are, you know, as as well equipped for the day ahead, knowing there will be unexpected things coming your way. Um, but get yourself ready mentally, physically, spiritually for um, the opportunity in front of you. So for me, um, that's that's a very important uh, element of, of each day. Okay, and you know, as a CEO, we're we're very good at making sure that our staff are continually learning and getting better. What do you do to ensure that you're continually learning and improving as a CEO? So I think there's a lot of different ways you can approach that, whether it's um, the listening skills that I think are so critical, um, the interactions. Um, I'm a very team first kind of person. Uh, my success is only attributable to that of the Boyden World Corporation team, our partners, our clients, so I take a great deal of satisfaction in that. Um, so for me, um, it's being able to think uh, about uh, the uh, inclusiveness of team success and the journey that we're on, because uh, it, it um, you know, you have to continue to evolve along the way. Okay, Trina, we all know smart people have great answers, but the best people have great questions. When was the last time you did something for the first time? <laughs> you know, I, it, when I think about that, Craig, I think about things that are actually not necessarily work-related. You know, I've had the great opportunity to, to do some very interesting things in, in my time, um, whether it's um, hiking Machu Picchu or running a marathon or um, I, I mentioned hiking. I'm now on this quest to hike not all of the U.S. national parks, but many of them. Um, I've spent a night on a U.S. Um, uh, a U.S. Uh, naval um, aircraft carrier, which was a really unique experience. Um, so I've I've just been fortunate to be able to experience a number of different um, opportunities, but also lessons in life. So I think of I think that um, I always want to continue doing something for the first time. Wow, you've had some great experiences there. What is the one thing that prevents you from being an, an effective active CEO? So something, if you don't do it, or if you do do something that has a, a kind of a negative effect or a draining effect on your ability as a CEO? I think um, making sure, you know, first of all, there's not enough time in the day. Uh, and since our firm operates 24 <laughs> seven, that's, that's maybe a bit of a challenge, but, um, I think just being able to stay focused and make sure that I am um, 
um, not being distracted, um, being able to prioritize what's of the moment, what's strategically important and what can um, maybe be prioritized a bit. So sort of going through those mental shifts and physical shifts um, are, I think, some of the things that I would share. Who has had the, sorry, who has made the greatest impact on your career and why? No, a number of different people have done that. I, you know, it, it probably started with my dad um, uh, and his business skills and what he needed to do to um, move forward with his life. Um, I've had a number of um, uh, teachers and professors that have had a great influence on me. And, and really, uh, you know, if I look around uh, in my professional career, um, it is, you know, I have had the opportunity to learn from uh, different partners who have been my mentors, um, from leaders of uh, the firms I have had an opportunity to work for and with. And importantly, um, the individuals that I've had the privilege to come to know that we have um, helped support in, their, in, in gaining their leadership roles. Um, so you know, the, the very first opportunity I had to do a CEO engagement, it was placing a woman in the very first financial services role um, that um, uh, went on in the U.S. Federal Reserve System. That, and, and her skill set and what she had done to move her career forward and balance that with her family and um, her personal and community uh, desires and, and, and commitments was a very impactful experience on me as a young partner. So I've had I've been really fortunate to be um, impacted very positively by a great diverse number of people. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, Trina. Really enjoyed some of the insights into what makes you a really strong and active CEO leader. Um, the insights into listening. I think came across really strongly, being persistent, ensuring you've got that challenge, but also that you've had a wonderful um, opportunity here to be able to get to know so many really unique and different people from a diverse range of backgrounds around the world and help companies really take that step forward. So well done on what you've done so far, and we're really excited to see where Boyden goes in the future. So thank you very much for sharing your your courage, your wisdom, your belief and story with the Active CEO listeners. Thank you, Craig. It has been my pleasure. And Boyden's success is all about our partners and client success. So I've, uh, I've very much enjoyed our time together. Our Active CEO wellness tip. We're talking today about long emails and the simple fact, Craig, of do you stand up and go and speak to your colleague? Or how long do you actually make your email to be effective in the workplace? Yeah, quite common. We all spend a lot of time writing paragraph after paragraph. I mean, it's just as easy to get up out of your chair, walk down the hallway, get, you know, allow yourself to think through what you're about to say first, and then actually see how they react and respond to what you're saying and have a quick discussion or maybe even be a lengthier discussion, but at least have that chance to assess the situation pretty quickly. It's a really powerful tool to go and actually connect with that person and start to understand there could be situations behind uh, what's going on. And I think it's really important that we're diligent in staying connected uh, with, with your co-workers, with your workers, or with your superiors, really. And it's, it's really difficult when you're writing to actually bring out any emotional aspect to it. 
And, you know, that's, that's something you can see when you're talking with someone. You get both the verbal cues and the non-verbal cues by having that face-to-face conversation. Yeah, absolutely critical. And as we always talk about with that whole Active CEO program, just getting up from your desk and having a quick walk also just clears the mind and just lets you steady your thoughts. So I think it's really critical that we pay attention to something like this. Yeah, so maybe you know a good, a good way to look at this is if, if it, you start writing and it's going to be more than two paragraphs, then you need to make that decision. Is it better to pick up the phone and call someone or, as you say, get up from your chair and walk down the hallway? Um, unless it's something that is very, very important that needs more detail that you need to think about, then you, you have to make that decision. Yeah, fair call. Just, uh, I guess, really, our message would be just assess what you're trying to send and is it better to go and engage with the person or is it better to actually send what you need to? Excellent. Well, it's been a fantastic show today, Ben. We had Trina Gordon on from Boyd and World Corporation. She is the first ever female CEO of a search executive firm. They deal with some of the leading companies and CEOs in the world, Fortune, com- you know, Fortune 500 companies, probably Fortune 100 companies as well. She spoke a lot about listening, learning to people, uh, learning from people and not just learning from books, etc., but actually learning from the people she's interacting with on a day-to-day basis. She gave an understanding of how the recruitment process works, what the differences are between a female CEO and a male CEO, and what uh, companies might be able to get more value out of by choosing a female CEO in the future. She talked about how important it was to her to stay active and healthy. You know, she likes to throw her joggers into... Her suitcase when she goes traveling so she can run and clear her head and see the sights when she's in a different city and and also go to the gym too. And then she expanded on for her something that's a real pleasure for her and that's getting out on her Harley Davidson and how that just allows her to see the world a bit more, get some clarity, um, also heighten her reflexes um, because you've, you've got to observe and see what's coming in front of you and really just that release and that of stress and being able to feel free when you're on that bike. And you know, Craig, it's something really interesting um, there. We've spoken to plenty of people about motorcycle riding or bike riding, and it's really another factor is being away from your electronic devices, your emails, your notifications, your text messages, all the things that happen still in a car environment, that doesn't happen on a motorcycle. So really interesting to hear that she has that opinion on it. Yeah, not only do we need to recover physically, but we also need that mental and the ice strain aspect that you get from turning off your phones, being away from that and being in the great outdoors where, you know, you might have the sun, you've got flowers, you've got different changing in scenery all the time. That really, really makes a difference. Yeah, something to be said for wind in the face, so to speak. So that's all from Active CEO today. Uh, a really, really interesting discussion and we, um, we hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to hearing some comments from you. So feel free to drop us a message or post something on social media about the show. We're always learning. We've got a love of learning. We love to teach as well. And that's why we're bringing on some amazing people from all around the world. Yeah, absolutely, Craig. But once again, a pleasure. And I think that we're really, um, with these, uh, someone like Trina, we're really learning some in-depth type um, values and, and ways to run The Active CEO, where the ordinary don't belong. Join the Active CEO movement by visiting www.nrgtoperform.com.
That's nrg2perform.com. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in NRG to perform. Leave a review on iTunes. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the NRG to perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.